This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. To it. It is a happy Friday. Sports Night Today is live outside of the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios today. We are on the lovely patio of Veranda in the Curry Barracks. Collaboration between Vacay Brewing and Burwood Distillery. Our edition of Sportsnet today coming your way. We're going to tell you all about what we're doing here at Veranda, the food specials, what they got going on with the new patio, drink specials, some new drinks on their way from Veranda and Vacay, Burwood Distillery. So excited to be here with the guys. They've been A-class all day long. Uh, great place to come out if you're uh, if you're around on Flanders Avenue in the Curry Barracks. Come by, say hi. I mean, Pat Steinberg going to be here all afternoon long. Get a sample. Say hi to Brad and the guys. Uh, very excited to be out here at Veranda this afternoon. We've got a busy show for you. We will chat all things Calgary Stampeders in just moments with our pal Matty Rose, Stamps, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders live from McMahon Stadium Saturday night. Part of the Pure Later Tackle Hunger Drive coming to Calgary and a big game for the Stampeders after a massive win for the BC Lions on Thursday night football. So we'll chat all things Stamps with Matty coming up in just a few moments. Plus, We'll chat with Adnan Verk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast all before the hour is up. But we start with some Flames news that started to leak out over the last couple of days. It's now official. Uh, Ryan Huska's coaching staff is set as he is set to take over as the team's head coach. Uh, joining him are Mark Savard, Dan Lambert, and Kale McLean as assistant coaches. Jason LaBarbera remains as the team's goaltending coach. Jamie Pringle as the team's video coach. So two new additions to Ryan Huska's staff, that in the form of former Flame Mark Savard, who will run the forwards and the power play, and Dan Lambert, who crossed paths with Ryan during both their tenures in Kelowna in the WHL. He's been an assistant coach with the Nashville Predators for the last couple of seasons. So Ryan Huska's staff taking shape. What happens on the ice and who they will coach? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. That's a question uh, that we will dive in on Flamestock a little bit later on this afternoon. Uh, but let's kick things off with a Stamps report, a live edition on this Friday, and welcome in from Russick and Rose in the morning. One of our Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet 960. The fan it is, Matty Rose. Matty, how are you, pal? Yo, doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for doing this, as always. Uh, appreciate it. Big game well, I wish I should I should gone down to Veranda. I love it there. <laughs> you I'm should, sitting man. here. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out. I'm downtown. I'm going to wait yeah. around. I'm going to have a nice chat with my boy Logan. And all of a sudden... You're not here. Show's starting. Music's playing. And I find yeah. out you're at one of my favorite spots in town. Yeah, it's. Uh, we just happened to take over the patio today. It's. It works out well for I us. I feel like I got hosed. I feel <laughs> like I got hosed. <laughs> I could have told you a little bit earlier, I guess, but um, I didn't. And now here we are. Now so. I have to come see you after. <laughs> exactly. Damn. Oh, yeah. Rats. How is that? That's such a terrible option yeah, for you. But, oh, uh, okay, I'll see you in a bit. Yeah. Uh, as for tomorrow, uh, it feels like a big game, Matt, whenever the Stamps and the Rough Riders meet up. But 
I don't know if it was just me, but last night watching the Bombers and the Lions going at it, it feels like we're in for a, a very competitive West Division, and it feels like it's added some importance to tomorrow night's matchup at McMahon. Yeah, you can't take any of these games, you know, you got to treat them all like big games, obviously. But anytime that you're in division, especially here in the West, you got to make sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's because yesterday we saw BC beat Winnipeg pretty handily. This BC team is no joke, especially with Vernon Adams Jr. at the helm. Is Winnipeg aging out? Maybe, but I think it would only be a fool to really count them out of this season. Edmonton, you know, some question marks there, but you got to think that eventually they're going to get a home win and be able to at least, you know, be a competitive group. And then the Riders, big question marks around there. Can Trevor Harris stay healthy for a full season? Right now they're down some receivers. Darrell Walker's on the sixth game. But for the most part, this West is going to be more so wide open than I think it ever has been. The Bombers look, you know, I'm not going to say susceptible, but the, but they mm-hmm. look like the, the, the division title is there for the taking. And 2-1 and one going into your first bye is much better than 1-2. and two. Absolutely, and a chance to do that tomorrow. Let's get into what the Stamps will look like when they take the field, Maddie. A couple of big additions to the six-game injured list, and it starts with Reggie Bagleton. Uh, we'd heard earlier this week from Dave that he had undergone a minor procedure uh, and uh, was definitely going to be out for Saturday's game, but now it looks like going to be a little bit of a longer uh, stint on the injured list for one of Calgary's best receivers. Man, I don't know about you, but even watching that Week 2 game in Ottawa, there were some hits that Reggie took that you just felt yeah. like, man, how is he going to get up from that? And, and we found out he did it, but he did so while he was battling through some sort of injury that has required a minor procedure He's got a rib injury. It's landed him on the six-game injured list. He's obviously been around the facility, around the players, around his teammates, but that's a huge blow, especially coming just a week after you lost Kadeem Carey, who, you know, MOP type of guy when he plays a full season and is healthy. So now you're down your top running back. You're down your top receiver. Guy's got to step up. We talked a lot about these young receivers throughout the course of training camp, Rice and John and Clark Barnes and Cole Tucker, all first-year Canadian receivers. The Stamps are going to go with three Canadian starters coming up in this week. Clark Barnes is going to get the start. So is Cole Tucker. He's been mostly a backup. And then Luther Hakunavanu. But we're also going to see Rice and John make his CFL debut listed as a backup. But the guy is 6'7". You have to find a way to make him work into the game plan there. And then Colton Hunchak, who's just been a warrior uh, for the Stamps as a Canadian receiver. He's on the practice roster to start this year. But with Tyson Middlemost also hitting the six-game injured list. Hunchak's going to get on so um, they still have some weapons for sure at offense but especially with a young quarterback like Jake Mayer I don't think it's ideal to be moving through a lot of these pieces early on having some younger receivers especially guys who have been playing the American game for a long time and in Rice and John and Cole Tucker and Clark Barnes that you know coming up here is a little bit different for them there's a little bit more with the waggle and the movements and the extra man. And, and I'm interested to see how coordinated everything is going to be losing a key veteran like Reggie right after you lose a key veteran like Kadeem. And for Jake Mayer and all of this, we I, I think one of the storylines that's a bit lost in this, Matty, and I'm curious how much it's going to play out starting Saturday is his first full season as a Stampede starting quarterback, now losing a couple of real regulars. You mentioned Kadeem Carey all being out. Now you've got Reggie Bagleton in that list. It's It only makes things harder for Jake trying to find that rhythm when the lineup changes like it has. Exactly. And 
we've talked about it. We talked about it last week. Like, how important is it for Jake Mayer to get into a rhythm? It really felt like there were a couple of drives against Ottawa where he kind of got into that zone and, and things were clicking for him. And when you've got guys that you can trust, that's huge. Now, I will say that Malik Henry missed the first day of practice. He's healthy. He's a big-time receiver for them. And Trey Odoms-Dukes has, I would say, been at expectations, if not exceeded expectations, as a second-year American receiver played in the slot, kind of in that old Kamar Jordan position. He led the CFL with three second-down conversions back in week one, which was pretty solid for him. He's a guy that they can rely on. But for the most part, it's going to be guys who are kind of going out there and showing what they can do in the CFL for the first time. Dave Dickinson talked about what he's expecting from this Rough Riders defense. A lot of man coverage with some zone blitz action. I'm interested to see how some of the Riders defensive backs, some of the veterans on that team, line up against some of these guys that they've never run a route against in the CFL or really have a whole lot of tape on in the Canadian game in Cole Tucker and Clark Barnes. So... We'll see if those guys can maybe get a little bit of an advantage, maybe surprise some of these veterans with some of the talent that they're going to bring to the table. Uh, another area to watch for the Stamps offense is that offensive line. We've got a couple more changes there uh, as Hugh Thornton still dealing with a couple of injuries, Maddie. He got in for the one game, but uh, he's back out for Saturday's game. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, I really feel like it's actually more of a battle for that right tackle spot. Like, I know Hugh Thornton is hurt right now, but Caleb Beninock is a guy who – Needs to get more reps for sure, but they like him. He's a guy who's got a little bit of NFL experience, a little bit younger uh, at that right tackle position, and and him and Hugh have been kind of neck and neck. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of what we see like every week. One of the two is going to be on the one-game injured list because you don't want to put them on the practice roster because that leaves them susceptible to being poached by another team. But you can kind of healthy a guy on the one game or, or say ah, an ankle's nagging him or something like that. So that's kind of what I expect to see at right tackle as the season goes on. And then they have Demery at the left tackle position who has been really solid thus far. A guy who, you know, couldn't get a, keep a job in Edmonton and, and so far full marks for him at left tackle. We'll see what Zach Williams does at left guard. Uh, took a couple penalties in week two in his debut this season, dealt with an elbow injury during training camp. So, He'll be a guy to kind of keep an eye on because when he's at his best, the run game for the Stampeders is outstanding. He is a massive dude on the interior of that line with Sean McEwen and Ryan Sevier. And those guys played really well in week two after maybe a, a so-so week one. So we'll see how the offensive line holds up against this pretty gnarly Saskatchewan front. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for them for sure and always protecting the quarterback, especially a young quarterback like Jake, always a priority. We knew what, uh, we saw what BC did with that QB pressure in week one. Certainly got better against Ottawa in week two, but it'll be at the forefront for a lot of people heading to this matchup with Saskatchewan. Matty Rose along with us, Stan Peters reporter, the good-looking half of Russick and Rose in the morning, uh, every single day, every Monday to Friday uh, on the big show. Here on Sportsnet 960 FM. Let's talk about the defense, Matty, because we've got some interesting changes to go through there. That Sam linebacker spot, so important, I find, in the Stampeders' defensive scheme. Uh, really been held down the last little while by Titus Wall, but he's injured. And a uh, guy that maybe Stamps fans don't have the greatest book on yet, but is coming in and really impressed you, is going to get a chance to start at that Sam linebacker spot on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be Michael Griffin, the second. Uh, big fan of this guy. Came in in rookie camp, and man, did he stand out. One of the spots that I thought he stood out specifically was one-on-one -on -one drills against receivers. 
And we talked to Dave Dickinson about this during the week. The, the Sam position is kind of coined as a linebacker, but for the sake of a CFL defense, they're essentially a defensive back, especially in the Stampeders defense, where they're almost interchangeable with the safety. Tay Daly listed as the starter, but uh, Brendan Dozier is the designated American, so he's listed as the backup, but he will be on the field for almost the entirety of the game. But I'm excited to watch Michael Griffin here at that Sam position and how he kind of plays off Brandon Dozier and the rest of that defense. Like you mentioned, Titus Wall is a dog. He's got a hamstring injury right now, so that's tough. He's going to go on the one-game injured list. Um, But he's one of those guys that has just continued to exceed expectations. You know, came up to Canada, wasn't sure what he was going to kind of fill in position-wise, and really hit the ground running like if he didn't get hurt halfway through the year he would have been the Stampeders most outstanding rookie nominee without a doubt Um, now he's hurt Michael Griffin will fit in very similar style of players and I think he's someone that Stamps fans will be impressed with the thing about the Sam position is you got to be able to do everything you got to be able to cover Griffin has looked the part you got to be able to tackle in the box running backs Griffin has looked the part and frankly, you just got to be a little fearless because it gets a little mucky down in the trenches sometimes, and he certainly looks the part. In that linebacking core as well, Maddie, what a pairing it's turned out to be. I was Ugh. really worried, and I think a lot of Stamps <laughs> fans were, you lose a guy like Jameer Thurman. I don't think there's ever replacing a guy like that because there's leadership, there's experience, but, man, has Micah Alway ever done a really great job, and him and Cam Judge look like they're going to be a pretty spectacular pairing themselves. Well, Cam Judge is an outstanding player in this league. He's one of the top Canadian players every single year, especially when it comes to the defense. Micah Alway is an outstanding interview. You can tell that he's a smart individual. One of the things that Cam talked about when we interviewed Judge earlier on the big show this morning was that Mike is a guy who is learning at every turn and trying to get better. He flies around. He gets to the ball. He's had uh, the one interception, although that was an absolute gift thrown by Nick Arbuckle. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, he had to catch it. Even if it's right in the bread basket, you still got to catch it. But he's been a great surprise there. And I don't even know a surprise is the right term. Like, this is a guy who's a six-year CFL veteran. He's bounced around the league a lot. But at the same time... It's not because of bad play or, like, locker room stuff. This just feels like a guy who's kind of part of that CFL fraternity in the sense that you don't really get more than one or two-year deals, or you really didn't for a very long time there, and he's just trying to maximize his opportunity at every turn. And you wonder if this could be a little bit more of a consistent stay for him, but so far through two games, full marks for Mike Alway. And the that means, uh, obviously, with a couple of changes coming to the back end of the defense as well, the halfbacks and cornerbacks yeah. have changed up a bit throughout the season, and that's kind of a continuing theme heading into Saturday. Well, Natrell Jamerson got hurt in a collision in practice. Actually, uh, him and Rice and John just ran into each other in the middle of a drill. And Rice and John is significantly bigger than Natrell Jamerson. Um, Natrell took the worst of that one and ended up missing weeks one and two, but he is now healthy. He would have been their starting corner if he had been healthy. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. Last year, impressed in limited action, but ended up getting hurt pretty quickly after he got in the lineup. So it'll be about keeping an eye and keeping that guy healthy for sure. Kobe Williams moved back to the halfback position. He's moved all around that defense. They have a lot of trust that he can kind of be adaptable in that sense. 
Um, but I think that he's a guy that they almost prefer to have at that field corner position. I think right now, you know, if you had Titus Wall in where Michael Griffin is, you love the layout of your defense. Yeah. But for now, it's going to go without Titus Wall, though it does sound like it's, it's you know, he didn't get put on the sixth game. He was definitely going to be an option for this week if he had seen a little bit of progression the last couple of days. Hasn't. Now they've got to buy after this. you got to think he's going to be ready to go for week five. Uh, a couple more for you, Maddie, before we let you go. Last year, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders storyline was uh, their inability to protect Cody Fajardo. You mentioned that it's Trevor Harris's show to run now. The Stamps have a, a new couple of guys out there rushing the passer, James Vauders and Julian House there. Dave Dickinson's had good things to say about both of them, but how key do you think those two specifically are going to be for the Stamps' defense? Yeah, big time. Uh, I think it's going to be even more key to get after the quarterback here. Frankly, I don't think we've seen enough of it from the defensive line through two games. They've been able to get yeah, some pressure and, and do some things and get a couple of sacks here. But if I'm not mistaken, it's Titus Wall and Micah Awey who both have the sacks. So um, Julian Houser has been outstanding. The Stampeders are more than comfortable to you know rush him, obviously, as an end. Or make him look like he's going to rush. And then rush with three and drop him into coverage and create a little bit of a odd man kind of situation in the secondary. So there's been lots of ways that Brent Monson has kind of worked Houser into the defense. Houser has been great the entire way along. James Vodder's not going to lie, would like to see a little bit more from the former NFL veteran. Uh, big money guy, big money signing at the end of last year. And he's one that I definitely look for and say, hey, listen, it's Trevor Harris here. He's not the most fleet of foot um when you look at the offensive line for saskatchewan they're solid their center is a game time decision but in the end you should be able to track down trevor harris i thought they did a really good job in the second half of that game against ottawa but gotta get to it early because listen if you can create havoc with your front four i have a lot of faith in the secondary and the linebackers that they're going to be able to cover guys downfield especially when you look at this group of receivers for Saskatchewan. Sean Bain Jr. is an interesting guy who uh, obviously was here with the Stampeders recently and is off to a great start. Sam Emelis is another guy that's off to a great start, a, a rookie up here in the CFL. They got Jake Weineke. Darrell Walker hit the six-game injured list. Jamal Morrow is a solid running back for him. So they've got some weapons on offense. Got to be ready. But at the same time, I, I think this is a situation where the Stampeders' defense can one-up the Riders' offense. And uh, obviously hoping for a big crowd at McMahon Stadium, not only to uh, give the atmosphere a bump, Maddie, but pure later tackle hunger in town for uh, tomorrow's game. That's always a, a big one. I know I talked to James Vauders about that, who's put his name behind it for the Stampeders. So we want to see everybody tomorrow with those uh, perishable donations, or I believe they take cash and, and card donations there as well when you head to McMahon. So another big part when you get down to McMahon tomorrow. Yeah, on your way in, you can either drop off the uh, perishable food uh, non-perishable food items or donations uh, over the last 20 years because yes this is the 20th year uh, they've raised uh, collected 20 million pounds of food so it's been pretty sweet it's been really cool to see this is always one of the games it's a big one I think of Derek Dennis whenever this comes around just because he was such a, a an advocate for this particular program felt like he always talked about it every year um, so thinking about him a little bit today but for the most part, this is just a great thing. It all goes to support the Calgary Food Bank. And, man, uh, it's important. So if you can help, if you can bring yeah. anything, please do. Uh, looks like it's going to be a gorgeous night at McMahon tomorrow, Maddie. Enjoy the game, pal. Uh, we'll chat with you again next week, eh? Peace. Appreciate you. Maddie Rose.
Uh, you know him, you love him. Russick and Rose on the big show in the morning, uh, every Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And one of our great, outstanding Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet. Save me a spot at the, the bar. Yeah, it's, it, we got one for you. Uh, and that, that bar just happens to be uh, Veranda YYC. We're hanging out uh, with our pals at Veranda. It's a collaborative spirit lounge and tap room from the great minds at Vacay Bruco and Burwood Distillery. They've come up with this great spot in the Curry Barracks where you can get the best of Burwood, Vacay Brewing at the same time, and this outstanding menu. It is, I want to, you want to say like a bar menu, but it's way better than a bar menu. It's got some of your bar favorites, but it's done up at such a great level. The beer is good. The drinks are great. The food is even better. And we got a great spot here on a Friday afternoon. That's where we're hanging out uh, on Sportsnet today and Flames Talk for Sportsnet 960. Uh, come down, say hi. Uh, say hi when Pat gets here. Buy him a drink. He loves taking photos uh, with all of his many legions of fans. We will take a break, though. Come back on the other side. Time to chat with Adnan Verk on a Friday. Our pal from MLB Network and NHL Network is next here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are hanging out on the patio at Veranda, 2566 Flanders Ave, Southwest in the Curry Barracks. A little collaborative lounge and tap room for our friends at Vacay Bruco and Burwood Distillery. We're here all afternoon long, sampling some great drinks, awesome food. You guys have been A-class. If you are around the area you want to come say hi, it's a perfect Friday maybe to slip off a little bit early from work. You can come down to Veranda, say hi. They've got an outstanding patio that's in progress here. We're going to be lighting it up soon. The bar is full. Really excited to uh, be here with our pals at Veranda this afternoon. We'll tell you more about what we're doing here as the afternoon goes on, but right now, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our pal from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. You know him, you love him. It's Adnan Verk. Adnan, how are you, pal? Logo, how are you, buddy? I appreciate you making a little time for it. I believe Matty Rose was on earlier, so this is just a dynamic hour here on the, <laughs> on the fan. This is a, just as good as it gets for uh, for Sportsnet 960 listeners. If only uh, Steinberg could make some time for us, it would have been near perfect. But uh, glad we could get you on. I uh, really appreciate the time, as always. Uh, I want to start with a couple of baseball topics for you, and it's a, it's one I've heard ballied about in a few different spots, and it's the lack of empathy or apparent lack of empathy that Rod Manfred has for the fans in Oakland. I, I've never really seen a, a commissioner, Adnan, put blame on – I don't want to know if blame is the right word, but he hasn't exactly softened the blow for Oakland A's fans that are sad about their team moving to Las Vegas. Yeah, it's a tricky situation, right? Like, on the one hand, you want to be like, listen, I respect the fact the A's have been a great fan base for a long time and a rich history for 50-plus years. And we can all think about those teams that won three World Series in the 70s and made three World Series appearances, late 80s, 90s. Maybe should have won more than just the one World Series. But be that as it may, it's undeniable the fact that the fans just have not shown up recently. Now, what's interesting is as of 2014, they still drew $2 million. So that was only nine years ago. So they've proven – they can be a place that watches and supports baseball. And even people would say, like, there may not be a lot of them, but they're very raucous and passionate. And it's a niche fan base, but, but they're there. They'll make themselves known, especially if they make the playoffs. And, and even a few years ago, right, they were a 95-win team. So it's yeah. been a really well-run organization. In fact, they can win. 
despite the fact they don't have a big payroll. But the whole problem has been the stadium. And if they could have just got a stadium, I think it would have been fine. But there was a lot of complicated matters to it. Uh, I think, you know, how much was the city going to pay for it? How much was the owner going to have to foot the bill? Um, territorial rights with San Francisco. As you know, I was pushing for San Jose. Would have been great. Have the Sharks and the A's. But I think the Giants yeah. squashed that plan. Um, so I, I think it's complicated. There's, there's definitely lots of blame to go around. I think everybody would appreciate that this is not an ideal situation. They've had baseball succeed there for a long time. And the idea of no baseball in Oakland, like that, that saddens me because I've just, I've always pictured the Oakland A's, and especially as a kid growing up. I thought that was the spot to be, man. They had Conseco, McGuire, and uh, Tony LaRusso, and Carney Lansford, and Bob Welsh, and Dave Stewart, and all the rest of it. So I think it's just unfortunate more than anything, but it feels inevitable. This team is going to go to Las Vegas in a few years. By the way, their lease is up at the O.co at the end of next year. So I don't know what that means for 2025, 2026. Everything I've heard is that the Vegas ballpark wouldn't be ready, I think, until 26. So I have yeah. they'd be homeless for 2025. I don't know what that means, but it's definitely frustrating, man. If you're an A's fan, I do feel for those fans. How surprising is it to you uh, hear Rob Manfred yesterday come out and say that he regrets granting some of the Astros immunity and that it wasn't one of his best decisions as commissioner? That's pretty notable. See, Logan, I, I, you know, I, I think some people think that when you're in power, you should just always be in power and powerful and, you know, accept no misfortune and betray no regrets. But I don't think that's the way to go. I think – if you are honest with people and say, you know what, I'm kind of like a mulligan there, people respect you more. And I think when you can yeah. showcase a little bit more vulnerability, uh, everybody can relate to that. So I was, I was surprised that he said it publicly, um, but I really respected it. Because I'm like, you know, anyone who says, hey, you know what, man, I, I could have done a better job on that one or that one's on me, I, I think it's always something you appreciate. You know, when a coach gets fired, we always know it's probably not the coach's fault, but they always say, it's on me. I want to thank the organization, thank the players. This was an awesome opportunity. Hopefully I'll get another chance. And, of course, the reason they said it is, because they want another chance. Because if they slam everybody, the next owner would say, well, why would I hire this guy? If I hire him, he might slam me on the way out the door. So it's always politicized. But in the case of Rob, like, he didn't need to say that. He could have just been like, well, I'm, I think he did a pretty good job last time I checked and just read from all the notes and 10 million people uh, in attendance for baseball and uh, whatever the ratings are. Like, I think the numbers that the last time I saw, I think we're up 20%. Maybe it's not that high. Maybe 15% I think yeah. in attendance for a year. It's up for but sure. Like, yeah, but fan satisfaction definitely higher because of the new rules. So he could have just been like, eh, you know, whatever issues had in the past, let's move, let's move on to the present. So I, I always appreciate when someone goes, you know what, man, I wish I could have handled that a little better. But at the time, I understand where he was coming from because he was like, nobody's going to talk unless I grant them immunity. So I, I understood his point, but I guess, I don't know, now looking back, maybe he could have kind of gone another route to, hey, um, I, I don't know how you do that, though, right? You're trying to get someone to talk. Yeah. Say, okay, I promise I won't punish you. It's almost like with a child. You're, okay, I promise. I won't punish you, but tell me what you did. Okay, I stole the cookie. That's it, you're grounded. No, you said you wouldn't punish me. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I, you. Yeah. I really don't know what the answer is, but I'm sure there's a way you could do it. Yeah, You know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like a commissioner who at the end of his tenure was looking back and talking about the regrets that he had and the decisions that he made. Cause he talked about, you know, calling the, the world series trophy, a piece of metal. And uh, to me, it sounded like Rob Manford was talking about looking back on his days as commissioner, not as a guy just sort of, you know, addressing the, the current state of baseball and all these different issues that he went into. That's a good slogan. You're right. Normally when you're looking back, that's the moment you can kind of say, you know what, as I look back at my 27 years here as commissioner, here's what I thought I did. Well, Here's where I could have improved, et cetera. It's, it's generally not something you hear from an active commissioner. And I don't think 
Rob's going anywhere anytime soon. You know, he's been the commissioner for a while now, and, and we got through the, the tough patches. I mean, say this as a commissioner, man. He definitely, uh, he definitely has had to deal with adversity, whether it was the COVID season, the labor situation. Like, there's been some tough spots along the way. But thankfully, I think that the rule changes have been phenomenal, and that's the good news, at least for baseball in general. Like, you haven't really focused on the negative this year because there hasn't been a lot of negative. Like, everyone's like, man, these rule changes are awesome, and it's been a good baseball season so far. I wanted to ask you about a couple of teams uh, in specifics about uh, just the season they're having. One of them uh, in your neck of the woods. Is there a bigger disappointment right now than what's happening with the New York Mets, given how much money they're spending this year, Adnan? No, it's got to be the Mets, number one overall. I mean, it is just incredible that a team with a $351 million payroll can be that disappointing. Uh, And it's, you know, you look at a lot of it. One I would look at is the pitching. I'd say, well, you should have just re-signed Stroman a couple of years ago, you should have signed Bassett last year. Instead, you signed Scherzer and Verlander, who both are going to be in the Hall of Fame, but both guys are in their 40s. Like, what'd you expect? Yeah. I mean, Scherzer's got an ERA north of four, as does Verlander. Neither guy is from particularly sharp, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. You gave $340 million to Lindor. He's hitting 217. Like, he's got good power numbers for home runs and RBI, but average isn't nearly high enough. Alonso has been great, hitting a ton of home runs, but he's been out. And then the other guys have just been kind of disappointing the Starling Martes, the Marcanas. Um, you know, you're really kind of searching. And the guys they've called up, you know, Francisco Alvarez on the plate's been good, but Vientos is a disappointment. Brett Beatty hasn't said anything yet. So, like, the bullpen's obviously missing Diaz. So, like, they, they've got a whole lot of issues. I think Senga's been okay coming over from Japan, but he can only pitch, like, once every six days. You know, his, his arm isn't used to the, the pitching every five days as they do in America, unlike in Japan. So, yeah, there's, I would have said the Padres, Logan, maybe a week or two ago, but I mean, they're yeah. up there. They're definitely, it's 1A and 1B. But I think the Mets, in terms of payroll and expectations, the most disappointing, San Diego's a close second. I don't, I don't know that it's the same. I know they're not paying nearly the same amount as the Mets are, but it feels like in some circles, and I know you do some hits with our sister stations in Toronto and some other places, for the Blue Jays, they've turned it around a bit here the last little while, but it kind of feels like that same level of, frustration is boiling over with the, the Jays right now, given you know some of the young stars that they have, given some of the guys that they're paying big money to add in. I know it's such a tough division, and that's always going to be a big factor, but it kind of feels like the Jays need to find uh, a really good level of success here because I don't know that this team is is in a position to miss the playoffs given what they're doing either. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm watching MLB Network right now, and Mike Petriello, who's one of these great stats numbers guys, is breaking up Vladimir Guerrero. And what a bad start he's had this season. Like, I, I was doing the all-star balloting reveal yesterday. So phase one's over. It's now phase two, which means you get two finalists announced at each position in both the American League and the National League, and the top vote getter automatically goes to the all-star game. So Otani and Acuna are in. And as you're revealing it, they go, oh, my God, how about the great country of Canada supporting all these Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are everywhere. Like, it's incredible. Like, second base, Whit Merrifield is looking for his third career All-Star <laughs> selection. Third base, you got Chapman seeking his second career All-Star. Shortstop, Bichette. John B. Twilo's first ever shortstop earned a fan elected during assignment. In the outfield, you got Kevin Kiermeyer, three-time Gold Glove Award winner, trying for his first career All-Star nod. And that brings me to the biggest disappointment, who still is somehow in the top two balloting, and that's Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's seeking his third All-Star selection, third straight starting assignment. If he gets it, he'd be the first AL first baseman. Three straight fan elections since the Hall of Famer Frank Thomas back in the mid-90s. And I like Vlad Jr., but that's ridiculous. He's on pace for 18 home runs and 87 RBI. This is a bad year for Vlad. You're going to face it.
He had that extraordinary season when he was runner-up at MVP, but they were playing in Dunedin and Buffalo. And other than that, particularly at home, he's got no slugging at home. Like, it's kind of shocking. We're almost at Canada today. He's got zero home runs at Rogers Center. Even with the new dimensions, which you thought would have helped him, that's a disaster. And yet somehow, according yeah. to fans, because we've got such great fans back home, everyone's voting for Vlad Jr. So um, I'm with you, man. It, eventually, things have to change. And the problem is for the Blue Jays is it's not going to get any easier. They're not very good within their division. And eventually, down the stretch, you're going to have to face the Yankees six times and the Rays six times. So yeah. the Rays are going to win that division. There's no question about it. The Jays are going to have to fight with the likes of, I think if the Rangers win the West, and there's still time, but I think the Rangers win the West, all of a sudden you've got to deal with the Angels, who are now in the playoff mix, the Astros defending World Series champions, the Yankees, the Orioles, and the Red Sox. So like you got like that's a lot of teams jockeying for three spots. Probably about six teams fighting for three spots. And the Jays, you can try to be a positive optimist and say, well, you know, they're only half a game out of the third wild card spot. But people thought they might win the division, Logan. Like this isn't nearly good enough to be on the outside of a playoff spot looking in. Uh, before I let you go, I always love you know the little titles that you get on the pods before the Cinephile podcast comes out. And I couldn't believe this one that just came on in the most recent edition a couple of days ago because it starts with, The Flash is awesome. And I wondered if somebody else on the Cinephile podcast maybe watched The Flash and put that in for you. But am I getting this right, Adnan? You enjoyed watching The Flash? No, it was somebody who did actually put that in. But, but I did enjoy the movie. I Somebody else also mentioned me. I go, wait, you called The Flash? I, said, I never said that. I said The Flash, <laughs> considering my low expectations, was better than I expected, and I thought it was pretty good. That's a, that's a direct quote if you listen to the podcast. And I said a large part of my enjoyment of it was the nostalgia because Michael Keaton shows up an hour into yes. it. And I'm like, oh, Michael Keaton is back as Batman. I was thrilled to see him. He's the best part of the movie. And I like the fact that, they made a lot of references to Back to the Future. I'm like, clearly, when it comes to the multiverse going back in the future, like, it, it just made me think of Back to the Future, but I give the movie credit because they owned it. They said, yeah, yeah. And there's a recurring gag about Eric Stoltz and Michael J. Fox, all the rest of it. So I'm okay if a movie is um, paying homage to something that they're clearly being inspired by, which The Flash is. And, you know, still a little bit too long. I didn't think it was great, but at least it was trying for some emotional elements, which is mainly my issue with these movies. They're just action and they're very empty. This actually had genuine yeah. emotion. It was all about the Flash trying to get back, and, and uh, I don't want to give it anything away, but it's involving his family and trying to avoid an accident that happened. So I, I was genuinely touched by the human element. I thought the special effects were pretty good. So overall, as a movie, yeah, I liked it. I'd probably give it three to four people least, but never called it awesome. But considering how harsh I'm <laughs> in superhero movies, maybe this is awesome, Logan. <laughs> yeah, this might, might qualify on that scale. Adnan, appreciate the time, pal. Thanks so much for hopping on with us on a Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll chat with you again next week. You're the best, Logo. I appreciate it, buddy. Take care. Take care. Adnan Vert joining us down the Alice Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, MLB Network, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. The man does it all. Uh, we appreciate when he joins us here on Sportsnet today. Before we get out of here, we're hanging out at Veranda, uh, YYC, in the Curry Barracks, off Flanders Ave, Vacay Bruco, Burwood Distillery. We're hanging out on the patio uh, before we tell you all about what we're doing here today. And uh, come, first of all, come down and say hi. We're hanging out. Uh, you see the big sports tent in the truck out front. Uh, we do have our final pair of Stampede Super Passes to give away. Do you want unlimited entries into the Stampede Park July 7th to 16th as the greatest outdoor show on earth is back? We've been giving these away all week long, we've had different stampede-related questions. My producers back at the station have done an outstanding job 
with this all week long, and I expect nothing less of them on this upcoming Friday. Cam and Taylor, uh, if you could please let us know what today's question is for the text line at 960-960. We have a bit of a fill-in-the-blank. Okay. So you haven't done the stampede right until you've done blank. What is something that you, like, a must-do at the Calgary Stampede? I like this a lot. So I'll fill in the blank or, or even just a, you haven't stampeded until you've done this. Exactly. 960-960 on the text line. First and last name have to be on the text. We will pick a winner coming up in just a few moments here. But as you guys come up with the question, I immediately have to ask, we'll start with Cam. What Ooh. would your answer to that question be? Like my gut is telling me get heat stroke. Because I did that my first few times. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think happens, I want to yeah. wish that upon anyone. Uh, I don't <sighs> think you've done Stampede until you've seen someone get shot out of that, like, you know where you just sit in a ball and you get shot into the sky? Oh, like the slingshot, the slingshot. it's called? You haven't done Stampede until you've either seen someone do it and get scared, you know, the life out of you, or you've done it yourself. you got to do it once. Even it's scary, it's a little expensive, but if you're going, you got to do it once. Uh, Taylor, what would your uh, must-stampede item be? See, I can't answer this question because I've never been to the Calgary Stampede. So well, that's, what? That's got to change. I've, I've never been. Okay, we're changing that immediately as soon as Stampede. That's terrible. That's I can't even believe that's happened. We're going to now see now all the things that the text line produces, Taylor. <laughs> we're gonna I have, have to do, to those do with them. You now. Everything on this you're list. You're going to have to do all of them because now we're going to have to give you your first Stampede experience and you're going to have to go through all of this long list of items. Uh, do we have Shan with us as well today? Yeah, let's we'll get him set up. Give him a sec. Okay, because there's a couple of different... I, first of all, I can't even believe that Taylor's never been to Stampede, but now we're going to have to put all these must-have items on her list for, for her first Stampede this summer. Hey, Logan. Shan, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. What's your uh, your must-do item at the Stampede? You haven't Stampeded unless you've done this. True. I'm going to go contrary to ta- uh, Taylor. You have to actually go to Stampede. No. Um, I-, I, think, <laughs> I think you haven't you haven't had at least, like, eight mini donuts, and you just can't do anything else because, like Cam said, oh, heat yeah. stroke. Real. So once you, know you know, sit I'm on the steps. I'm down for a bunch of mini donuts. I, I love well, them. We, we, can make that, <laughs> we can make that happen. I like that. I like that. The only thing I think I would add – I think the corn dog's a big one. We had Vickers on earlier this week. Yeah, the corn dog. It's a classic. Uh, I know Taylor can't go for that one, but uh, we'll keep with the mini donuts. I think. Uh, also, it really isn't stampede if you haven't been rained on when you're at the grounds. Yeah, that's kind of a, a must-have for me. I feel like every year, at least once or twice, when you go out to the stampede grounds, uh, it just pours rain or it hails or something, and everybody's trying to get under like the two areas that have cover. Uh, I feel like that's a, a must-have event that happens to you at Stampede. I'll say, honestly, head to the rodeo. Uh, it's uh, yes. really – it's it's just one of those things that's so crucial to the Stampede. I know there's all these great things. There's Coke stage. There's Midways. There's food. There's all of that. But I'm telling you, uh, go to the rodeo. Check out the chocks, uh, and you will get your first-class uh, Stampede item. So 960-960. Need your first and last name on the text uh, with uh, the question. Taylor, one more time for our listeners. Uh, for everyone listening online, we'll give them a couple minutes. What was our question of the day for those Stampede Super Passes? You haven't done the Stampede until you've done this thing. 960-960, first and last name on the text. 
Uh, we'll get you a couple of the latest Flames news here in a second. I'll tell you what we're doing at Veranda. And uh, while we do that, as the texts come in, uh, if my outstanding producers could enter those names into our randomizer uh, and let me know when we have a winner, that would be fantastic. You got it. Um, but, yes, Flames Talk's coming up with Pat Steinberg and myself. We're here at Veranda hanging out. It's a collab between Burwood Distillery and Vacay Brew Co. here in the Curry Barracks right off of Flanders Ave. The patio is looking great today. We have the Sportsnet tent out. The truck is here. We're going to be sampling some great food and some of the great uh, drinks that they come up with here uh, at Vacay in Burwood. It's really one of Calgary's best new spots. Uh, if you haven't checked it out already, you need to come down and check out this place. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be one of the spots to be at this summer through Canada Day, Stampede. This is just going to be one of the absolute highlights to come out and uh, grab a great drink, have some really good food. Uh, it's going to be here at Veranda. And in case you missed it, we're going to dive heavy into this in Flames Talk uh, coming up in just a few moments. But uh, we have our coaching staff for Ryan Huska officially announced the news. Starting to leak out over the last couple of days, Pat had it uh, on Flames Talk yesterday, and then it looks like one of the coaches just decided to kind of announce it on his own. Uh, changing his profile pic on Twitter. Uh, that would be Mark Savard, the former Calgary Flame. Uh, he's back. He will be an assistant coach underneath Ryan Huska, running the forwards and the power play. Dan Lambert, former assistant coach of the Nashville Predators, joins Ryan Huska's staff. They know each other from their time in Kelowna in the WHL. Kale McLean re- uh, retained as an assistant coach uh, for the Calgary Flames. He will now go from Daryl Sutter's crew to Ryan Huska's crew, while uh, Jason LaBarber remains goaltending coach, Jamie Pringle as the video coach. So as if we haven't had enough Flames news to go through over the last couple of days, throw in uh, Ryan Huska's coaching staff uh, is now complete, and we're looking forward to chatting about that and hopefully chatting with some of those new coaches as the day goes on. My uh, wonderful producers have uh, entered it into the randomizer. Thank you, everyone who texted in at 960-960. Taylor, our winner for our last pair of super passes is? Our boy, Sean. Sean, thank you so much. Uh, if your name is Sean and you don't get a text back from Taylor uh, and you didn't win, unfortunately, but, Sean, uh, make sure to check your phone. Taylor's going to uh, text you with some info on how to collect your super passes. If you didn't win a pair this week, you can still go to participating Sobeys, IGAs. Uh, they're 5145 plus GST, but they get you unlimited access into the Calgary Stampede all 10 days, July 7th to the 16th. You want to go 10 times in one day, two times the next, three times on a Wednesday. The Super Pass gives you the flexibility to do that. They are done selling the Super Passes the day before Stampede, July 6th, your cutoff date if you want to buy a Super Pass. Uh, thanks to Matty Rose. Thanks to Ed Nanvert. That's a rapid-fire edition of Sportsnet today. We're going to take a break because on the other side, Pat Steinberg joins us here on the veranda patio, and we got two hours of Flames Talk coming your way. I wonder what we'll chat about. Uh, there's only 4,000 things revolving around this team right now, from coaches to players. Uh, we'll chat about it all. Steinberg and Flames Talk is next. Sportsnet today, back next week. Have a great weekend. Come say hi to us at Veranda. This has been Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.